Welcome to this Texas Sports Nation podcast, Texans edition. Appreciate you guys tuning in. This is Brooks Cabina, Texans beat reporter. I'm joined by Brian T. Smith, columnist of the Houston Chronicle. Brian, how you doing? I'm great, Brooks. How are you? I'm all right. And, uh, you know, we can share our Twitter accounts here for people to follow us. I'm at B-K-U-B-E-N-A, and he's at Cron Brian Smith. We are a week or so away um, from the finish of the NFL draft, and that means that there are nine rookies who are ready to join the Texans, and rookie camp begins Friday. So that's when the number three overall pick, Derek Stingley Jr., will join the rest, as, as well as a first-round pick for November 15 overall, Kenyon Green. We got a chance to talk about them last week. Uh, but on Monday, the Texans had their annual golf tournament, uh, 19 years, and they've raised over $5 million over that span for the Texans Foundation, 390000 is the expectation this year. So it's kind of fun go out there, see Nick Casario and Lovey Smith try and make putts and Davis Mills to try and hit down the hit it down the fairway. But uh, that gave us a chance to visit with the Texans and uh, get a chance to see what they thought about the draft. And it was the first time we talked to Lovey Smith since the draft had ended and ahead of the rookie camp. And you know, I thought well, one of the things that's interesting, Brian, was, you know, I, I think it's another year of another draft with Casario and, uh, you know, Cal McNair, the chairman and CEO of the team, was talking about how they were watching it behind the scenes. Uh, he runs a small room um, in the draft, uh, which is some teams have larger. He seems to have a decision-making group that um, he likes to have around and uh, is obviously very um, intent on what he's doing. But uh, the other part of this is that these draft picks are going to be key pieces of this second phase. And Nick Casario also said that he felt like expectations were a little out of control uh, from some of uh, the outside, some of the players, some of what they're going to do before they even get into the building. But, I mean, when you draft these players these high, the expectations, at least from our vantage point and even the players' vantage points, that they are coming in and going to be a key part of this. And, you know, you asked him, and it was part of your column in Tuesday's Houston Chronicle is about the expectations for the future. And, you know, it seems like there is some sense of a light at the end of the tunnel. It does. I mean, what will this transfer to six, eight wins this year? Big old to, to be determined, but things are starting to feel different. And that was, I wrote about that with the draft party, at Miller outdoor theater. I mean, this organization recognizes pretty much from top to bottom now that the last two years are very difficult. They're, they're finally out of the Bill O'Brien era. Jack used to be still around, but we don't really see or hear from him anymore. This is Lovey Smith. This is Nick Casario. This is Cal McNair with Hannah McNair, right? We're seeing Hannah more and more present. And she actually, you know, answered, partially answered a couple questions yesterday. Um, she was part of, you know, you know McLean's Wall of Fame introduction to Energy Stadium. So this is the beginning of the new era for the Texans, and things are starting to feel and look different. In the end, it all comes down to winning. Uh, but this is also what we do. And I, I look back at last year when they had their tournament and David Culley was there. And granted, that year hopefully will be an aberration and anomaly in the Casario area. But a lot of the things, same, same things were said. And a lot of the same questions are asked. And this is just kind of how it goes with the NFL in May after the draft where every team, it's, it's like spring training for Major League Baseball or the start of training camp in the NBA. Every team 
has optimism for the most part. Uh, every team, you know, the, the fan base was to get excited about the draft picks, but it is a little different with the Texans because they're finally through Deshaun Watson. Everyone knew that David Culley wasn't going to work out. They have Lovey Smith now. It's easy to get behind the idea that Lovey Smith could work for this team and take them from four wins to nine wins, 10 wins. If Casario continues to put the roster together and there's just a, a different vibe, a different feel, a different look. Um, and we might as well enjoy that because it's, it was, it was two years of darkness for this team and this franchise and a lot of turmoil, a lot of chaos. And this is what it starts to feel like when things change. And we, we saw that yesterday at, at the country club. Yeah, there is a distance between these two eras in even one week um, in in the time since Deshaun Watson's trade. I mean, all that is still going on with his legal process on Friday. His depositions are continuing and those headlines are still going, except they're coming out of Cleveland. So it's things that a day like yesterday might have been a time when Casario and others have to address that with the players still on the team. Instead, there is another first round pick and others that are going to come in on Friday. And, you know, one of the, before we start getting into the rookies, I wanted to think about this too, because you addressed this in your column. And I think it's still a big part of this off season um, is, is Davis Mills going into this. And cause he's, he, some of the offensive pieces that went into it are going to help support him. And it seemed like uh, last week we got another answer towards what has been an off season of foreshadowing that he is their quarterback number one. it's uh, They signed a free agent last week in Kevin Hogan. He was a backup for the Browns and then most recently the Titans. They waived him shortly after the draft whenever um, the, the Titans went and, and went and drafted Liberty's Malik Willis. Uh, so now the Texans have four quarterbacks under contract. Davis Mills, Kyle Allen, uh, might remember him from Texas A&M, Jeff Driscoll, who spent last year as a quarterback and then transitioned briefly to tight end, and then Kevin Hogan. Um, he's had minimal time as a backup uh, over the years, but most of that, you look at those names there, Brian, and I mean, it shows that Davis Mills is their guy right now, but the expectation, you talked to Casario a little bit about that. What was kind of your takeaway from that? They've had multiple chances since the end of last season to say that it's going to be up for grabs or, you know, Davis Mills has to win this, or, you know, we're going to explore every avenue to improve the quarterback position. Hint, hint. If there's a trade to be made, for Baker Mayfield, we'll make it, or we're open to signing Colin Kaepernick, or you know, what whatever could potentially answer the question at that position. They've had multiple chances, multiple opportunities in public with a live microphone to say something different. And all they continue to say is Davis Mills, Davis Mills. Right. He was rolled out at the draft party that was intentional. He was there yesterday. And here, here's the other part of that. I, I don't know how it's going to work out with Davis Mills. I, I hope it does work out. I hope it becomes a fantastic NFL story. Uh, but they don't have a lot of named players right now. And because it's quarterback and it's the NFL, once you start repeating Davis Mills' name over and over and over again, and the fan base starts to know him, I feel like they don't really know him personally yet, but you know they know that he is the quarterback right now. It starts to take hold. That's just how it goes. With, the, with, with football, with the NFL, with the quarterback position. And so Davis Mills, Houston Texans, start of this new era. He is the guy right now. I mean, he's he's not going to lose. A they didn't bring Kyle Allen in to have a training camp competition with David Mills. They brought Kyle yeah. Allen in because he's solid. He's started before. He's had to do mop-up stuff and, and, and deal with adversity. If you need Kyle Allen to start one game, he can do that for you. They haven't brought in a veteran. Uh, you know, 
you know, a Mayfield type, a not Teddy Bridgewater, but a Teddy Bridgewater type of bridge quarterback, a Ryan Fitzpatrick type. Maybe that person is theoretically added at before training camp starts, but they're not on that path right now. And so all they continue to say is Davis Mills is the guy. He's going to get every opportunity. We're building this, you know, starting to build this around him. And if this works out, who's going to be the most recognizable Texans right now on defense? It'll be Derek Stingley. Number three overall pick, you invested in a quarterback, LSU connection, regional connection, and Davis Mills, the first draft pick of the Nick Casario era. We'll see how this plays out on the field. But yeah, every opportunity they have to stand behind Davis Mills, that's all they've done thus far. Yeah, and that's the key, right? I mean, it seems like it's funny every time the national consciousness seems to forget about Davis Mills and that whenever Jimmy Garoppolo's name gets dropped in potential trades yep. or Baker Mayfield, it, it somehow involves the Texans. And for one, it doesn't make sense contractually wise. You look at the Texans, they have right now 23 million, close to 24 million in cap space, but a lot of that's going to get sucked up whenever they sign the rookies. It'll be about eight to $10 million. Uh, but then that's only now. And then it's whenever it stretches to 53 million, they're going to be adding other free agents. They're going to be signing the, the, the contracts probably will be more expensive because uh, the ones that they end up signing will probably have higher contracts. And then uh, Nick Casario said this during the uh, when uh, shortly after they uh, traded Deshaun Watson, which cleared a lot of cap space, was that they weren't going to go overboard this year because they can't, and they were going to allocate about twelve more million dollars towards things like uh, you know the injury uh, practice squad. So I mean, if you, you just look at Baker Mayfield's contract, he's going to be a cap hit of eighteen million right now for this year. Jimmy Garoppolo's even more so; he's twenty six point nine million. The Texans can't take that on unless they traded and then try to renegotiate contracts, but I don't think either of those quarterbacks are interested in doing that. Uh, but I mean, you don't send Davis Mills out to do all of the uh, Texans events and put him out in front if you don't feel like he's your guy and sign all these other quarterbacks who you have four now under contract. So I, I mean, I agree with you, Brian, and it seems that uh, it's just the case of the Texans being kind of out of the consciousness. Um, and last year, uh, just having not having very much success offensively, that there is definitely questions about whether or not he'll work out, which I think are fair. But we'll see those going forward. But that's part of what the rookie um, camp is interesting because there are many players who are coming in that'll help support that offense. And I think one of them, uh, out of a conversation we had yesterday on Monday with Lovey Smith and even Nick Casario about John Mechie, who I think is one of the more interesting yeah. wide receivers they took. It was one of those. Kind of the first in the draft, I think, that maybe had a bit more of a question mark. Kenyon Green was seen as somewhat of a reach at 15, but it made sense when you looked at the offensive line and how good of a run blocker he was at Texas A&M. But, uh, you know, there were other receivers available like Sky Moore and others who were fully healthy uh, whenever the Texans traded up to get John Mechie, who's now recovering still from a torn ACL in the SEC championship game with Alabama. But um, you know, Brian, what I thought was interesting is that he was a slot receiver, but he also fits what, you know, Lovey Smith and uh, was saying that they like in a player. He played tough. They liked how he was willing to block. They liked how he endured injury and played through some others through college. And he brings to them something that they don't currently have on their roster. That's what Lovey Smith said, which is interesting because, you know, that's that's part of what this whole rebuild has seemed to be about is bringing in players who are going to help them create the image that they want. And they see that in John Mechie. It's it's kind of, you start seeing that with some of the players and the rhetoric that Casario and Smith use whenever they acquire them or or, or send them away. 
You're, you're seeing, we saw this a lot last year, whenever players were cut or released or brought in or how they would talk about players. All of it seems to be about that, plus them being good players. So I'm not saying Sky Moore maybe didn't fit, but I mean, it, it is notable that they see that in John Mechie. And um, we got a chance to talk to him shortly after he was drafted. And he said that he could be full go football by July, uh, which would be pretty incredible. Um, and on the timeline of, of ACL injuries, it's something that Nick Casario said afterward. He was trying to temper expectations and say, you know what? Uh, I wouldn't hold him to that. He, it's going to be, uh, they're going to be patient with him, make sure he, he's good in his recovery because they don't want to retear. They don't want to rush it. Um, and these Texans aren't really pushing, I think, and I think you probably agree is that this is not really the year everybody's expecting them to be playoffs. So why, you know, push a young guy to try and come back sooner than he can. But once he gets into that wide receiver core, it's pretty interesting. You have Brandon Cooks, who's under another contract extension. So he's under con- He got a two-year extension on his current deal. And then Nico Collins showed pretty good signs last year. And he's, you know, he's above 6'5", really talented on the outside, has a good matchup making um, against defenses. And if you can throw in John Matchy, who looked stunning sometimes against Alabama, but I remember, Brian, last year, whenever we were watching all of the Georgia players in the defense, and I think it inked into the leaked into the draft as well. It's like, okay, are they that great? Or is it because you're playing with Henry Ruggs and Devontae Smith and others? And it seems like you can plug and play in that offense whatsoever. Um, But he did a fantastic job, and I think he can go in that. And if you can see Davis Mills, who was well in those last uh, six starts that he had, even with the limitations of the offense, they can really open some things up. I mean, how many times, Brian, were we watching last year where the all downfield options were just not working? And I think that brings a lot more excitement to a team totally. But uh, the points, the offensive uh, attention that they didn't have, I think all those things go into whenever you're looking at a player like Mechie. If, if, you're, if you're thinking of rookies, I mean, is he, is he who you think maybe might be most impactful or is it somewhere else on the offense? I said this last week, Brooks, during the, the podcast, that he was the name that intrigued me the most just because I remember a point when it felt like he had the potential to be one of the best receivers in college football, um, and he, he was at times. And it, it could be one of those picks that you look back in five, seven years, you're like, man, that was a steal, and why did he fall? Oh, yeah, because of this and that and injuries, et cetera. It can also be a wasted pick. Well, we'll, we'll find out in a few years. But, yeah, he, he clearly has the potential – and as you mentioned, you have Cooks, you have Collins, who started to you know show a little for the end of last year. Tight end has possibilities, can still be a question mark. The offensive line should be better. You, you've mentioned the last couple of weeks and you've written stories about it, that they should start to have finally some consistency in the offensive line. And you're not just interchanging people all the time. Overall, discipline should be better. Pep Hamilton gets to put his imprint on this. Here's the thing. I mean, you start talking about it and it sounds like you're, you, hey, they they could win nine games this year. That's not probably not going to happen, but it, I, I wrote today, it has to start somewhere. And it all, it does feel like that if Davis Mills can live up to his potential, his part of it and everything else clicks a little. Yeah. This team could go from four wins to seven wins, four wins to eight wins. And they're much more competitive and they're not getting, I mean, just, I mean, they had some horrendous, horrendous blowouts under Cully and also played, better at times than people ever expected because they were supposed to be the worst team in the NFL and maybe the worst team. They were often were the worst team in Texans history. So you can really only go up from there, but Mechie is clearly somebody who could surprise, who could wow, that can, that can make Nick Casario look smart. And 
the teams that excel uh, across the board, NBA, Major League Baseball, it's always those picks. It's those players to where the GM, you, you have to take risk. You, you, it has to be a calculated risk, an intelligent risk, a smart risk. You can't just play it safe because that's the difference when, you know, you take Stingley at three and you're right at Stingley or you take green and it's a little ahead of everybody and surprise people. But, hey, he turns into somebody who's with your franchise for 10 years or Mechie that, you know, oh, my gosh, they took Mechie. And I mean, I saw some horrible reactions to that pick. And I saw some people who are like really excited by that pick. So yeah. we'll, we'll find out about all of that. But I think that all speaks to what we felt yesterday and having covered this team for almost a decade now. And seeing just an insane amount of change on Kirby and turmoil that it feels like right now things are starting to get cleaned up. You know, you, you had all the chaos and the drama and the turmoil and the frustration and players, the second they leave the Texans, just mouthing off, ripping the Texans, rightfully so. This is starting to feel different right now. And Lovey Smith knows he's not going anywhere. So he has this entire offseason, the rookie minicamp. OTAs training camp to start to really put this team together. And, and I, like you, am encouraged by the potential of Pep, Ham- Pep Hamilton as OC. So we'll find out. But it, it it's nice to at least not be talking about the bad stuff, the negative stuff, the, the, the horrible Texans. This is like, okay, this is how it should start to begin. I know, oh, by the way, they got to fix their running game. <laughs> it, it feels like all for naught if you don't actually fix the running game. Yeah, everybody's going to be looking at Damian Pierce, the fourth-round running back out of Florida, who um, he never rushed for 1,000 yards in a season um, in, at, with Florida, never had a 100-yard game. It was part of a big rotation for the Gators. But, I mean, he had 13 touchdowns last year, and the Texans only had eight. So he's, he's going to be boosting that uh, backfield pretty significantly, even just with his presence. But he's going to be looking to become – an all-around running back for them. And I, I think the other rookies you're seeing um, on the defensive side will definitely be impactful too, other than Derek Stingley, who becomes a day-one starter, top cornerback, and maybe the top player on the defense immediately. Uh, but Jalen Petrie, who is in the second-round safety out of Baylor, um, he has some multi-variousness uh, as a defensive back with, Bla- with Baylor. He played some nickel uh, for Dave Aranda, defensive coordinator uh, at LSU at one time with Derek Stingley. There's your connection. Um, but uh, Nick Casario and uh, Lovey Smith said yesterday that he'll play safety for them. And he can play nickel some, but that shows you where the where the, where the the plan is for him. He's going to be playing with either Eric Murray or Jonathan Owens or others out there. And uh, I, think, I think with a lot of the versatility, you look at what Lovey Smith has played, his defenses over the over the past, there's a lot of similarities, but there is just so much offense using space now. And I know that's not a new thing, but we're seeing even more and more money and even more and more personnel just overloading rosters. And we'll see that in this year uh, within the AFC West, whenever the Texans play them, that schedule will be released on Thursday, but we'll get to that in a second. But Jalen Petrie, I think, fits into kind of what Lovey Smith wants to do um, and, and attacking some of that space and having defenders who can do more than one thing in a zone defense, in a man defense. Uh, Christian Harris, uh, they traded up and got him a linebacker out of Alabama. He was actually a safety starting off with Alabama. Whenever they recruited him out of Baton Rouge, he went to University High, which is basically on the campus of LSU. And we'll have a story yep. on him later on. But he played cornerback his senior year of high school. 
there was that that defense was stacked, and he didn't even play linebacker until he showed up with the Crimson Tide. He had never played it before in his life. So he he was a very uh, multiple defender in college. He has that four four speed. You got players who have plenty of uh, of of hybrid play to um, address a lot of the problems that the Texans had both against the pass and against the run. Um, so uh, we'll we'll get a chance to see those guys as they come into camp. The Texans and the rest of the NFL will have their schedule released on Thursday. So we'll maybe recap a little bit of that next Big week. Big day. So we'll see how many. Uh, Biggest day of the year. Biggest day of the year. See, what well, we already know all the teams. So we already we just need to know when they will be. And we'll be quickly getting all of our flights in order. So before we get out of that, you know, is there any. What do you think? What do you think? Is, is there much of an impact based on when these games are arranged, Brian? Hell no. <laughs> no, no, no. Whoever who, whoever we play, we play. I, I love that quote from Nick yeah, Asario. Yeah. And uh, I, under, I understand why reporters ask that because we all have different jobs and some need, you know, the soundbite to go with the TV thing, setting up the schedule. I get I get that. That's how our business works. Yeah. But my Lord, people, we're talking about a four and 13 team. They're, they're not going to be kicking off the NFL season. We've already had there's never been a leak like this because it's this dripped out leak because the NFL's, I mean, my gosh, I could spend an entire podcast just talking about how the NFL promotes itself yes. and its scheduling. It's absolutely brilliant. It's also scary uh, how powerful the NFL addiction is in our country, including, obviously, speaking for myself. And the Texans aren't part of any of that. You know, mm-hmm. they, they're not part of the international games that have been announced. They're not part of the double headers. They're not part of the opening night. So, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Last year they opened against Jacksonville, and if memory serves, right, they won that game, and their season went downhill from there. So the only game that I think people are really going to care about, top of my head, is the Deshaun Watson game, right? Like that's that's the game. But here's the kicker: Deshaun Watson's probably not going to play in that game. So everyone's going to be like, "Oh my gosh, they're playing the Browns," and Deshaun Watson is likely going to be suspended for that game. So. I don't, I'm like, I'm just like Nick Casario. I don't care when they play them, line them up. Let's do it. It's really not going to matter when these games are scheduled because the Texans in the end probably should win five, six, three, seven games, somewhere in that range. Tomorrow's a big day for the rest of the league. It's not a huge day for the Houston Texans. Yep. It's the middle of May and the The NFL wants to be able to uh, keep, keep themselves in the consciousness. So we know we'll see what happens Thursday whenever they get, their schedule out. We'll be there over the weekend when the rookies get into camp and we'll refocus on all this again next week. So thanks for tuning in with us. I'm Brooks Gabina. You can find me at B-K-U-B-E-N-A. I'm Brian Smith. You can find me at Crom Brian Smith. Shout out to Brooks. Brooks, you did a nice job with your uh, Stingley Life Baton Rouge feature. That was that was well done. So, I appreciate uh, I'm that. sure we have much more of that to come. And don't forget, everybody, Everyone is going to look amazing at the end of this week in shorts and t-shirts, and you're going to you're going to hear a billion things about how this is the greatest rookie class of all time, and it, it usually doesn't end up working out. They're there. amazing. They're going undefeated. We'll know. We'll know when we see it. So um, appreciate you guys reading, watching, and listening. And you'll see all that we need in the Houston Chronicle, and you can also find it at HoustonChronicle.com and on Texas Sports Nation. We'll see you next time. <laughs>